0: You might have to do it church-wide at some point. Um, second thing that I want to say is um, Pastor Daniel's book, Holy Spirit, your partnership with him, um, comes out next week, but we did a little pre-sale, um, and this was just through the magic of Amazon. Um, Amazon sent us, that was kind of by design, you guys, so we expected it for the lights to go out for a minute. Um, Amazon um, sent us we ordered a whole bunch of them. They, they sent us one box. Um, we got one box yesterday. And it showed up and we were like, well, let's do a pre-sale. So we did a pre-sale this morning. I was going to say, so get out and get the book early. We had 24 of them, except for they're all sold already. So if you didn't get here early today, you missed out. But there will be more. So here's the catch. We think there'll be more next week. Um, but the reason why we got one box is because the rest of the boxes are MIA. So, um, we'll get them sometime. Um, but you can, so here, I want to I give you a caveat, okay? You can go and buy that book um, on Amazon, from Amazon now. Um, you could can, can go buy it right now while we're talking. Um, here's the catch, okay? Um, if you go buy it there, it's the same price as it is here, but Amazon takes their cut. So I don't care. If you want to go buy it there, that's fine. Go buy it there. You can have it. Uh, We'd rather you buy it here, um, because then you can get Pastor Daniel's autograph. And if you buy it here, then it helps us to offset the cost of the printing and publishing and all of that stuff. So um, anyway, if you want to buy it there, be blessed. I'm really happy. And hopefully by next week, we'll be up on uh, Apple Books as well. So I'm working on that. Um, Good things are happening. And then next week... Um uh, Pastor Daniel's going to spend the next four weeks um, preaching out of the book. And so we're starting a new series next week called Holy Spirit: Your Partnership with him. Um, so come, it's going to be super, super good. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Romans chapter three verse 21. Yeah. Romans 3:21. Um, and we have the QR code, I think, up on the we can put it up on the screen um, for the notes. Um, there's a lot in the notes that aren't going to be on the screen today or isn't. Is that the right word? A lot that is not going to be on the screen today. So uh, make sure you download the notes. It's going to help you out today. Romans chapter 3 verse 21 says this. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God is Through faith in Jesus Christ. So when we use the word righteousness, it's a churchy word. You don't really hear that outside of church. But the word righteousness, it means a good position or right standing with God. We are in right standing or looked upon favorably by God. So it says the righteousness of God or the favorability of God or a good position with God is only found through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned. I want you to say that. Say, "All all have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of what? The glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Last week we talked about the glory of God and the glory flowing out of us and and the breath of God being breathed into our lungs. But here it says, all have sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory or the beauty and the majesty of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth, here's another church word, as a propitiation, as a propitiation. That word means a sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice, a sacrifice that brought us to a place where we can stand in the other churchy word that we use today, righteousness. Jesus was a sacrifice or a propitiation for us so that we could come into a place where we stand in the favor of God. So then it goes on. It says, "As a propitiation, Jesus, God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because his forbearance, because in His forbearance, in His patience, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. One time, Tiffany and I were in New York City. We love New York City. Um, Absolutely love it. We've been there four or five times. Um, But one time we were in New York and Looked like it was gonna rain, and we're used to Carlsbad rain forecasts, right? Um, It's gonna rain, yeah, it might rain, and if it rains, it'll rain for a couple minutes and they'll be done raining. So the forecast said it was gonna rain. We're walking. I mean, you walk in New York. What we like to do is start somewhere. We'll take the subway or take a taxi or an Uber to somewhere, and then we'll just walk. We'll just wander and do whatever. We'll eat weird food and walk in different places and just explore the city. And we love it. So we're walking one day and rain's in the forecast and we thought, eh, it's not, it doesn't even look like rain. I don't think it's going to rain. So clouds start rolling in a little bit and we see these people on the side of the street and they're selling umbrellas. And the umbra- I don't remember how much they were, I'm like $5, right? Umbrella, $5. Um, so then the clouds start coming in more and the people that are selling umbrellas are now selling them for like $7, And then the sky starts getting dark, and the umbrellas are $10. And then there starts to be thunder, and the umbrellas are $15. And we're laughing, and we were like, this is ridiculous. We're going to be fine. It's not going to rain. Well, I'm going to tell you that we could have never been more wrong in our entire lives. Um, we were not weather people. Um, and, And apparently, we will never be because I have never been so wet in my life. I don't think I get that wet in the shower. It poured so hard, and we just laughed. And we, I mean, at first we thought about running, and then we're like, where are we going to run to? We're like three miles from the hotel. So we just embraced it, and we walked in the rain, and we got back to the hotel, and we like tromped through the lobby of this nice hotel, sopping wet, you know, with our shoes and everything else, and we had a blast, and we still laugh, and we talk about that story in that day. I, I believe this, that the glory of God is shown in Scripture, and we see it through clouds and through rain. And when the rain of the Spirit of God comes on us, you can't avoid it. It touches and impacts everything that's around it. It runs into the places that you forgot about, fills all the cracks when the glory of God comes. And so, in the church, we become very fond of saying, Holy Spirit, rain on us. Holy Spirit, rain on us. I don't think that's wrong, and I'm not here to tell you that it's wrong today. But I think that we're missing a piece of it. Because as we said last week, The way that clouds form and the way that rain comes is a cycle of evaporation from the water that's on the ground and it evaporates up into the air and the clouds are formed and then rain comes and replenishes the supply that's on the ground. Well, Jesus said this in John chapter 7 verse 37. It says, on the last day of the greatest day of the festival... Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice. See, I think this is really important because it says this is the last day, which is the greatest day of the festival. This is the last day of the festival. And the festival was the Feast of Tabernacles where people came together and they celebrated the provision and the goodness of God. This is God being good to us and providing for us. We understand that we're nothing without him and God, we thank you for your provision. So on the last day, the best day of the festival, Jesus stood up and he said, I know you guys are all celebrating the provision of God, but is anybody still thirsty? Is anybody still thirsty? Because I know we can come together in church every single week and we can celebrate the goodness of God, but do you ever come to church where you just put your church face on because that's what you're supposed to do, but you come and you're thirsty? What if you are so thirsty that you leave here and you seek to quench your thirst in other places? There are words in pop culture for people that are thirsty. Maybe we're trying to fill that thirst with something else. But God is saying to us, Are you still thirsty? Are you standing here today? And so I want you to, we're not gonna pull any punches today. I'm just letting you know I have a limited amount of time. I don't have time to really mess around today. So we're just gonna go for it. I wanna ask you, I don't want you to raise your hand. I don't need you to run to the altar. But I'm gonna ask you today to be honest with yourself and say, am I thirsty today? Jesus stood up and he said, are you thirsty? Let anyone who is thirsty Come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And then he says this. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said... Whoever believes in me like the scripture tells you to do, whoever believes in me that I'm the one who has come to save you, anyone who believes in me who believes that I am the one who is the answer, who is the hope for the world, anyone who believes in me as the scripture says that I am the Messiah, that I am the one who has come to bring freedom and to bring liberty and to bring hope, anyone who believes in me, let them come to me and out of them will flow rivers of living water out of you will flow rivers of living water is anybody thirsty come to me and drink and here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna quench your thirst and then I'm gonna give you a drink so that you never thirst again and so that out of you will flow that water so when somebody is thirsty they come to you and they drink of the living water that I give them and what happens? That water flowing out of us. Maybe our prayer needs to not be Holy Spirit rain down on us, but Holy Spirit flow out of us. And as Holy Spirit flows out of us, then the rain comes. Amen. Hallelujah. We don't have this perspective that I need to come and just quench my thirst. I don't need to come and just quench my thirst. But I've been called to something greater, and my origin story is to fill the earth with the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. In the garden, we were created to breathe the breath of God. And so I'm going to talk for a minute about sin today. At Word of Life, we have a saying that you will not hear a message about you and what you've done, you'll hear a message about Jesus and what he did. Yes. Today, I'm not deviating from that principle. So I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say it up front in the simplest terms I can and then we're gonna expand on it. The reality is this, that sin is real. And the consequence of sin in our life is devastating. And I want you to hear me. The only way that we can overcome sin is our total reliance on Jesus and his sacrifice. The only way. That's the only way. Somebody asked me the other day, do you believe that you can live sinless in this life? My answer was, yes, I believe you can. I don't believe any of us will, but I believe you can. Because the same power that empowered Jesus to live sinless in this, in this life lives in us. Right. But as long as, as we're I'm getting ahead of myself in my message today, but as long as we as the church are confining sin to a list instead of an attitude, right. instead of a heart posture, we'll never get there. Because we're cheapening, we're cheapening sin by putting a label on it. Scripture tells us. I want to back up, I'm sorry. See, just as just as it required the grace of God for us to attain salvation, and I think that as, as Christians, if you're in any, the, the house today or watching online and you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I think that we would all agree that it's by grace that we have been saved. And the scripture actually says it in those words. It's by grace you have been saved. But just as it required the grace of God for us to attain salvation, it requires living according to his lordship for us to live victorious in our life. And so today, we're not talking about reaching heaven. We're not talking about attaining heaven. We're talking about being victorious in this earth. Resurrection power is not just for heaven. But it's about resurrecting the places in your life that you once thought were dead. It's about bringing to life the dreams and the visions that you've had that you thought were gone and dead. It's about restoring relationships in your life. Resurrection power is about breaking off the chains of addictions in your life. Resurrection power is about revealing the life of Jesus in the places that you thought you weren't enough where you've lost confidence, where you failed, where you've been abused, where you've been broken. That's what resurrection power has come to do. It's not just about raising us from death to life, but it's about raising those places and those individual circumstances in your life that have laid dormant, that you've given up on, and you've said, this is just the way I am. And that is what resurrection power has come to do in every single one of our lives. It's to raise us up. It's to bring us to life. I know that we've had a powerful move of Holy Spirit today in this place, but I want to tell you this, that believing the lies of the enemy is denying the power of resurrection and falling short of the glory of God. I had intended to to pray over people at this part of my message, but I believe the Holy Spirit has already done a lot of that today. But I want to send, uh, um, I, I want to relay a message, um, to you today because I believe this that there are many people and many people sitting right here. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I think there are many people sitting here, many people on the other side of this camera that have a poor view of themselves, a poor view of, of yourself physically. You have a poor view of yourself mentally and emotionally. Maybe you've been beaten down by somebody you loved, somebody who you thought cared about you and i believe that that is limiting the glory of god in your life because you're believing a lie of the enemy and it's stifling the power of god in you it's denying the power of the resurrection and in doing that you're falling short of the glory of god and so the spirit of god says to you today that you're worth it you're valuable You're beautiful in the eyes of God and that he's handpicked you and he's chosen you for something great. And so just where you're at right now, I want you to just mentally say, God, I want to see myself the way you see me. I want to see myself the way you see me. God, it's not about what the voices of the world have said, but it's about how you see me. And so bring that confidence in the name of Jesus. So we know from Romans chapter 3 that sin is falling short of the glory of God. But I want to expand the definition of sin a little bit. It's not about a list of things that you shouldn't do. It goes beyond any list that you could ever come up with. There are some things that are explicitly said in the Bible that you're not to do. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. There's a list of ten of them in the Old Testament. There's all kinds of things throughout the Scripture. Some sins, oh, but even Jesus, even Jesus said that if you lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So Moses said, do not commit adultery, and Jesus expanded that one and said, well, if you've lusted in your heart, then you've already committed adultery. If you've hated in your heart, you've already committed murder. So we can make a list, but it wouldn't be comprehensive, and it's doing the church an injustice as we do so. There are some things that are sin for me that aren't necessarily sin for you, and there's some things that are sin for you that aren't necessarily sin for me hang with me as I say this but I want to give an example Um, I've told you this before Um, some of you may have heard but um, for me something as simple as drinking Red Bull is a sin for me and I'll tell you why because in my body I've battled and struggled with blood pressure being high and God told me that drinking Red Bull was a contributing factor to my high blood pressure. And he told me to stop. Well, I didn't for a long time. And I just kept praying. God, help my blood pressure. And finally, God got aggressive. Does God ever get aggressive with you? God got aggressive. And he said, I already told you what to do about your blood pressure. Okay, fine. Fine. I haven't had a Red Bull in over two years. Um, I don't even crave it anymore. I did it first a lot. But I'm not going to stand here and tell everybody, you need to stop drinking Red Bull. See, that's what the church has done, right? For me, it was something that was not bringing about the glory of God in my body. I was falling short of the glory of God in my body. I don't know about you. I don't know the inner workings of your body. God does. And so it may be fine for you. I don't know. I can't stand up here and say the Red Bull is the great evil and a sign that Jesus is coming back soon. But we've done stuff like that as a church. How stupid. It may be fine for you. But it's not for me. Let me show you this in scripture. Romans chapter 14 starting in verse 19. I'm reading out of the NIV version for this. Romans 14, verse 19, it says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. It says, Do not destroy the work of God for sake of food. Now, I believe that here he's just using food as the example, but you could fill in the blank. Anything on this earth, let's not destroy the work of God for something that's man made. Do not destroy the work of God for sake of food. All food's clean. But it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better to not eat meat or drink wine or do anything that will cause your brother or sister to fall. But look at what it says. So whatever you believe about these things... Keep it between yourself and God. Man, there are people who have tremendous social media followings just criticizing what other people do. That aren't necessarily even scripture. He says here, if you have a belief about that, keep it between you and God. It's all right. You don't want to shop at Target? Don't shop at Target. That's fine. If you want to, go get your Stanley Cup, right? I mean, if you have that conviction, you better not do it. But it doesn't mean that it's wrong forever. You won't find on the pages of the Bible, "Thou shalt unsubscribe from Disney Plus." You won't find it. It's not in there. But if you feel like you should. For whatever reason, between you and God, you better do it. You better obey the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you don't, guess what? It's sin. But if I don't have that conviction, then it's not sin for me. Right? Praise God. He says, blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat. In other words, if you have doubts, should I be doing this or not? Don't do it. Don't do it. But if you're at peace with it, do it. Maybe you're still challenged, and that's okay. We're gonna, hang with me, okay? He says, if you have doubts, you're condemned if you eat, because... Because he is not eating from faith. Because you're not doing it from faith. Faith just means our belief. Our belief in what? Our belief in Jesus. Our belief in the cross. Our belief in his sacrifice. Because you're not doing it from faith. If you're not doing it from faith, if you're not doing it in light of what Jesus has said, then it's sin. He said everything... Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. And so you may be convicted of something that I'm not convicted of, that I have peace with but you don't have peace with, and I don't have a right to tell you that you're wrong because I don't know what God's spoken to you, and you don't have a right to tell me I'm wrong because God, I, you don't know what God's spoken to me. Right? Okay, let's go deeper. Can we go deeper? I don't know if your toes hurt yet, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. Where the church has gone wrong is we've tried to quantify sin. We've tried to place value on it. And forcing the adherence to the plan of God through guilt, shame, and manipulation. That's what we've done in the church. You're like, Pastor Jason, what does this have to do with glory and origin story? Hang on. As Romans 14 tells us, whatever is not of faith is sin. So I'm not talking about in sin some fabricated list that man is used to tell others that they're sinning. Sin happens when you have a conviction of the Holy Spirit that an action, a behavior, an attitude within you is falling short of God's glory when you have a conviction of the Holy Spirit see I don't know what scrolling through social media does to you but if it does not bring about the glory of God in you then maybe he's convicting you of that I don't know I'm I'm not saying that but as an example today Maybe you need to stop shopping at Target, but it's probably not because of the Stanley Cups or whatever else. Maybe you need to stop going to Starbucks. Maybe you need, I don't know, I don't know what the conviction is in your life, but I had a really good mocha yesterday morning, and I enjoyed it, and we were doing a Pakistan call, and I needed to wake up, and so I got a double shot. But if God told you not to go there, you better stop. You hear me? You hear me today? See, it's when the Holy Spirit convicts us of an action, a behavior, and an attitude within us that's causing us to fall short of the glory of God. That holy conviction in you, it happens as you're running with everything that you have to Jesus and a separation or an obstacle is revealed. So when you're running to Jesus and it's revealed in you that something is keeping me from getting there, then you need to change it. You need to change that thing. That's why I'm not qualified to stand up here in the pulpit and to point out your sin. My responsibility is to encourage you to run to Jesus because I know that when you lay down your life For the cause of Christ, when you run passionately and fervently to Jesus, when you know that the cross is behind you and the world is before you, then you know this, that when you fall short of that glory, you're intensely grieved because Holy Spirit has revealed something to you that's keeping you stuck and keeping you from reaching the world the cross is behind me, the grace is empowering me, the world is before me as my origin is to fill the earth with the glory of God. And I cannot fill the earth with the glory of God as long as there is a separation between me and between the throne of grace. And so I have to get rid of that and the grace that's behind me has empowered me to get rid of it so that I can close the gap and reach the world. Amen? Again, I'm not talking about reaching heaven today. I'm talking about reaching the world. I'm talking about filling the earth with the glory of God. And we've got a problem in the church because we've, we've relegated sin to a list. And if it's on the list, then we need to not do it. And if it's not on the list, then it's okay. And then we ask stupid questions like, can I do this and still be in favor with God? Is this a sin? Is that a sin? Is your heart convicting you about it? I think because you asked the question, maybe it is. And if you ask the question and your heart's convicting you about it, you better not do it. But if you're at peace with it, then do it. What does the scripture say? Are you at peace? If you're at peace, then carry on. And whatever you believe, it's not a doctrine. Keep it between yourself and God. That's what the scripture says. Amen? The separation that that sin causes in the life of a Christian is a drought from the flow of the spirit of God. And it's drying up the power in which you were originated to live. The Bible tells us this, James chapter 1. It says that the word of God is a mirror. This is middle of the chapter. The word of God is a mirror. See, when we sin, we're falling short of the glory or the majesty and the beauty of God. When we look into the scripture, it reveals our character and anything that does not line up with the purpose that God intended for us. If we walk away from the mirror without fixing the problem that we see, we create a drought. See, Holy Spirit is flowing out of us. And he's given us the word. And so as we look into the word, the, the book of James calls the word the perfect law that brings liberty to us. And so if you aren't walking in liberty, then you're not looking into the word. As we look into the word, then we see a perfect picture of ourselves and how we ought to be. There are things that I've seen in the Bible that you haven't seen in the Bible. Thus, you may not know that you need to change them in your life. You also may not need to change them in the same way that I need to change them. That's why I've got to teach you to run to Jesus. See, you've seen things in the Bible that maybe I haven't seen in the Bible. And so as we continue to look into the perfect law of liberty, then I look into that mirror and I see something that needs to change. And as I see that thing that needs to change, because I'm falling short of the glory and the beauty and the majesty of God, I'm falling short of that, then I need to adjust that so that there's not a drought. But when I look into the law of liberty, when I look into the word and I don't change and I don't adjust what I see, the things that I know to do, I don't do, then I walk away and I create a separation. And that separation is a drought of the flow of the Spirit of God. Am I still going to heaven? Sure, I'm still going to heaven when I leave this life, but I've got a lot to do here on this earth. I've got a lot of glory to spread in this earth. I don't want the rain to stop, and if I have a drought in my life, then the rain's gonna stop because out of me is not flowing rivers of living water because why? I didn't believe on Jesus the way the Scripture says. Scripture tells us That as we believe on him, we're confessing his lordship. That's what Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. See, we believe the grace part. We confess with our mouth or make a declaration that he is Lord in our life. If he's Lord in our life, then we're saying, Jesus, I am making the commitment to follow you because I believe in you. I believe that your way is better than mine. But when we continue to walk in sin after we see it, that's the key. If we continue to walk in sin after we see it, because we're running to Jesus and we see it and we don't change it, then you're saying, "Now nah, I'm good with the way I am. You said I need to change, but I like my way better. I'm just gonna do it my way. I'm gonna be okay with it. Okay, Fine. You're going to be okay with it? You want to be okay with that? I can only take you so far then. I can only take you so far. I can only go so far. I have so many things that I want to do in and through you. But I can only take you so far if you refuse to listen to my authority in your life. We've got to run to Jesus. Jesus. This is all summed up in 2 Corinthians 4, and I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is the whole chapter, you guys. I, well, I don't know. I think it's a whole chapter. Starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, the ministry that he's talking about is a ministry of grace. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. We're not walking in the craftiness or the handling of the word of God deceitfully. But by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Remember last week we talked about Moses and how Moses put a veil over the gospel. Couldn't be understood. There was a veil because of the law. So he talks about the veil here in chapter 4 as well. And he says, but if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those that are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Because it's the God who commands the light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not be of us. We're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our flesh. So then death is working in us, but life is working in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore we speak, knowing this, that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. That grace, having spread through many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. And because of that, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now look at this. I know that was a lot to read. But it says, even though our outward man is perishing, because death is working in us, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Even though the outward man is perishing, Being affected by sin. Being affected by this world's standard and this world's agenda. The inward man is being renewed day by day. That's why it's so important that out of us flows rivers of living water. It's out of the inside of us. Because if we're speaking and we're acting and we're reacting by our flesh, our, our flesh is perishing. But out of us is flowing the life of God. And it's being renewed day by day. It says for our light affliction, which is for a moment, is working for us. That's a whole nother message or series, but our light affliction, our, our suffering, our light affliction is working for us Are far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. Because we do not look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. We do not look at the things that are seen. It's temporary. But we look at the things that are unseen. We're gonna have trouble in this life, church. We're gonna have heartache in this life. We're gonna have struggle in this life. But we're not called to the struggle. We're called to the victory as it flows out of us because our inward man is renewed day by day. That's why he can say we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. See, what we determine in our life so many times to be these monumental moments are light afflictions. And the light afflictions are working in us a further and more exceeding weight in glory. Glory. We don't look on the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. We live in a reactionary world. It's just a reality. We live in a reactionary world. That's why we're to set our eyes on things that are eternal, because temporary brings fear, temporary brings anxiety. Temporary brings us to a place where we try to fix things on our own and choose to do life our way instead of by God's design. It leaves us separated from the glory of God that was breathed into us at the moment of creation. Temporary causes us to do it our way. Eternal causes us to do it his way. Church, the cross has empowered us to live in glory. It's a cross that has brought us into the throne room of God. It's the reliance on the cross that pumps resurrection power in our veins and replenishes the life of God in us. Closing with this you guys can go ahead and come up. God gave us dominion over created beings. And he told us to do this, to subdue the earth. The word subdue means this, to repress, and you can write these down, they're in the notes if you got, the, got them on your phone. The word subdue means to repress, specifically repress feelings and impulses. The word subdue means to reduce the intensity and force to tone down and to soften. And the word subdue, third definition, it means to bring land under cultivation, preventing things from growing. An example is to subdue the wilderness. The wilderness is wild. And to subdue it means to prevent things from growing. I want to go to the book of Haggai as I close. This is Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. The book of Haggai was written when God's people were coming out of 70 years of exile. Exile is a separation from the place that you were designed to be. Isn't that what we're talking about today? A separation from the place that we're designed to be. And so in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6, it says this. Very familiar verse for many. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And they come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. When he says this temple, I believe that not only was he talking about the physical space, see, in the book of Haggai, the temple of God was in ruins. Scripture says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? See, not only was the temple of God in ruins, meaning the space, meaning the entity of the church or or the people of God, but I believe that he's also saying that many times our temple is in ruins. We've been exiled from the place and purpose that God designed us to be. He says, I'm going to shake the heavens and I'm going to shake the earth and I'm going to make you the desire of all nations, and this temple will be filled with glory. This temple, this church, the church of Jesus Christ in the earth, you, your family, your circle. Your job place will be filled with the glory of God because that's our original intent. That's what we were originally designed to be, is to show forth the glory of God. We've got his breath in our lungs, but we've let the separation come between us that is separating us from the place of glory and we've got a drought because we stopped the flow of the Spirit of God. So he says, I will fill this temple with glory The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord, and the glory of the latter temple will be greater than the glory of the former temple. I've preached out of this verse a number of times. One thing that God spoke to me last night as I was praying over the message today is he said one reason why the glory of the latter temple is greater than the glory of the former temple is because of the things you break off along the journey. See, because there are things in my life that I see today, two years ago, three years ago, weren't on my radar. I had no idea that they were keeping me separated. I had no idea. I'm just following along and running to Jesus. There's things in your life That as you run to Jesus, you don't realize that you need to change until you do, until you see it, until you look in the mirror one day and you're like, oh, you look in the scripture one day and Holy Spirit quickens something to you. Sometimes we don't realize the change that needs to be made in our life. Sometimes it's a breaking down of thoughts and ideas. It would be really easy for me to come in here and just start diagnosing you and saying you need to change A, B, and C. But the things that I don't know about is D, E, F, G, H, I. I didn't know about any of those. And God says you need to fix those first so that you can get get to a place that I can start breaking down these other strongholds in your life. That's why the message is not about you and what you've done. It's about Jesus and what He did because as long as I'm speaking about what you did, I'm speaking in man's wisdom. But I'm not interested in man's wisdom. We follow after Jesus. We follow after a holy God. He's the one that searches the hearts. Holy Spirit is the one that searches the hearts, that knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Holy Spirit is the one that brings you a place from broken to glory then to glory, then to glory, then to glory then to glory because we're following after him. Holy Spirit is the one. The breath of God in you is the place that has elevated you. The Holy Spirit is the one that is called to empower us to fill the earth with the glory of God. That's our origin story. He says in this place I'll give you peace. I believe God is bringing the church to a return of the glory in which it was intended. We see so much of the world be driven by feelings, impulses of a fallen nature, but we've been called to subdue or to break down the feelings and the impulses. Our answer to bringing down these feelings and impulses as a church has been to scream sin, to scream death, to scream destruction is coming as a result of these actions, but we failed to follow our original mandate to subdue. There's always going to be sin in the world, always. There will always be sin in the world. But as we repress the impulses, as we reduce the intensity, as we prohibit the growth of an ungodly agenda by following the flow of the life of God, it begins to rush out of us, bringing the cloud of the glory of God, and bringing the reign of his presence on the earth, then we've subdued the earth. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads today. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus to be your Lord and to be your savior, I wanna invite you to do that today. Bible tells us that today's the day of salvation. He's called you, he's chosen you. Sin has separated you from God and our first act in overcoming sin is by saying, Jesus, come be the Lord of my life. So if you've never received Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me today. And I'm gonna ask everybody in here to pray it with us as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. Just say this with me, say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that for the first time, the Bible tells us that you're a child of God. I wanna invite you to do something for me. If you would just let us know you prayed that for the first time, just write it on the card that's in your seat and leave it in your seat or send us a message online. If you're watching online, drop us a message. Fill out that contact form on the website or send us a Facebook message or comment on the YouTube or however you're watching today. And then on our website, which is wolcarlsbad.com, If you scroll down just a little bit, there's a square right there in the middle and it says, I Choose Jesus. If you click on that, there's a link to a book by Pastor Daniel called I Choose Jesus. Really short. I wanna encourage you to download it and read it. It's gonna help you on your walk with God. Today, as we close out, we thank Holy Spirit for all the work that He's done in this place today. We're going to sing a song as we close. I think it's very powerful.